Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Yesterday, President Biden rattled a few. Sabres threatened energy companies with a tax, a windfall tax, on what he called war profiteering. If they don't reduce gas prices, then they will be taxed. But would such a move hurt energy corporations or energy consumers? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're going to go past the headlines of it all because we often miss the real substance uh, with just the uh, clickbaity headlines. And so we're turning to Evan Helper, who's a business reporter for The Washington Post, uh, really focused on covering energy transition. Uh, Evan's work focuses on the tension between energy demands and decarbonizing the economy. Uh, And those tensions are really what we're looking at in terms of what's driving it. What would the impact be? Uh, Great piece in The Washington Post uh, about uh, all of this. And uh, Evan, we appreciate you joining us today. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, So so dig into this a little bit for us. Uh, Obviously, yesterday the president uh, really got after uh, the big oil companies in terms of their record profits. Uh, what is it that he was saying? What is he positioning for? So this is kind of an ongoing saga. Um, I mean, you know, every quarter recently, these oil companies have just been uh, posting blockbuster profits. And, you know, on Friday, what we saw was Exxon posted a record profit of, um, I'm forgetting how many billions of dollars it was, but a lot. And Chevron posted, you know, its second highest all-time quarter and the president has been saying all along, you know, this is this is kind of crazy. Drivers are paying more for gas than, you know, they, they have in a long time. And these oil companies are making these windfall profits. Why aren't they diverting some of those profits back toward lowering the price of gas? You know, he's calling them basically, uh, you know, war profiteers. But Congress is interested in passing this kind of windfall tax that would uh, you know, the president seems to be threatening. So this was largely about politics. Um, you, you have drivers in large part do place at least some of the blame for the high cost of paying uh, for gas right now on oil companies. And with the election coming up, the president, the administration wants to show that, you know, there is angry. Um, this is not Biden's fault. There is their message. This is the oil company's fault. And we're angry at them, too. Yeah, and so as you as you look at that, uh, and as you look at it over a, a window, uh, in terms of those returns, those profits, the shareholder returns and buybacks, and so on, uh, it's easy to look at at one quarter or, or a couple of quarters uh, versus kind of that five year window. Uh, it, this really is an industry that's kind of feast and famine. Uh, how should we be looking uh, at that appropriately in terms of what they're doing, what they're taking, and uh, where we actually need to go next? So when you really dive deep with, uh, you know, the analysts, the market analysts who work on these things and and energy experts, even those who've worked in Democratic administrations in the past, they'll say these kinds of windfall taxes, you know, they they have a populist appeal. Uh, You know, they sound attractive to voters, but they tend to backfire. Um, What, you know, what happens is they discourage investment. Um, you know, they, they, they result in exacerbating the, the fuel crunch rather than, than easing it. And, um, yeah, and the costs do, you know, have a tendency to boomerang back on drivers. And so to your point about 
uh, you know, this, this feast famine cycle of the oil industry. You know, I think people don't have a lot of sympathy for the oil industry. I mean, these are right. companies that do make money hand over fist. On the other hand, you know, if you compare what was interesting is like Exxon's, uh, you know, those profits that it posted on Friday, they they were just approaching the profits that, that Apple posted. And so when you look at sort of the market leaders and, and who's making crazy profits and windfall profits, um, you know, the oil companies don't even compare to like some of the tech companies. And so, you know, I've heard analysts say to me, well, you're going to have tech windfall profits. You know, what about these tech companies that are, that are making crazy money? Um, but of course, the politics are such that, you know, we, we have to pay these gas prices. We have to look at them. We drive by. We're seeing, you know, prices in California went up to six dollars a gallon. And so, you know, for political reasons, it's it's obviously more popular to go after the oil companies. Yeah, that's such a great point. Uh, it is easy to go after the, the big, bad oil companies as opposed to those who are giving us our uh, technology and our <laughs> smartphones and all the other things that uh, – that we're enjoying, that we're we're paying really high prices for. Uh, in fact, we were laughing the other day, thinking, you know, if you would have told somebody they'd pay over a thousand dollars for a phone that they'd stick in their pocket, you know, back in two thousand seven, people would have said you're you're crazy. Uh, but it's interesting how that plays out, and then the politics uh, of all of that gets interesting. We've been talking a little bit today as well, and would would love your perspective in terms of you know, what happens uh, in a new Congress in terms of some of the energy policies, whether that's oversight, whether that's regulatory reform. Uh, what are you seeing there and how might that impact both the companies and the consumers? So if Republicans take over Congress, they're obviously talking about all manner of hearings on all manner of things. And one of the things that they will go after is what they would call the administrative state. Um, the sort of actions that the administration is taking to propel climate change on, on energy, to propel uh, climate action, rather, on, um, you know, on, on energy and how to deal with energy companies. And, you know, obviously the Republicans want uh, more of a hands-off approach on oil and gas companies, wants to give them more freedom to drill and fewer environmental restrictions. And so you'll be hearing a lot of noise from Congress on, on those things. However, um, you know, it'll be split government. And so a lot of what's going to happen is noise. Um, you know, and a lot of what also will happen is that the Biden administration, some of the priorities it wants to move forward on, it needs Congress for, it's not going to have that support. You know, something like we just saw the Inflation Reduction Act with hundreds of billions of dollars for, um, uh, you know, accelerating the energy transition. Those kinds of things obviously are not going to happen with a, uh, a Republican-controlled Congress. But, um, yeah, energy will be talked about a lot. Um, but that Congress won't be able to, to do much, uh, you know, because because Biden will will veto, uh, you know, bills that they pass that go against his agenda. So there'll be a lot of gridlock. Yeah, and I think that's a, such an interesting thing. If we if we do end up with divided government, uh, the the Senate's going to be close either way, a uh, couple of votes. So whatever gets done in the Senate's going to have to have some bipartisanship. Uh, is there an opportunity there? I've been asking folks today. Uh, in that so many of these green energy projects uh, are now also bumping up and bumping into that uh, regulatory regime that slows those projects down, makes them more expensive, less profitable. Uh, is, there, is there some wraparound thing? Is there a, a Joe Manchin moment or, or something where they could come together around some things that could uh, be beneficial to both? Yeah, and uh, that's a good point. There really does need to be. I mean, if you look at... Um, the pace at which renewables are able to come online, wind and solar power, and the, the, the permitting issues that they have and the inability to build these interstate transmission lines, um, you know, you're seeing a lot of a lot of green energy leaders uh, just wringing their hands and saying, you know, this is this is crazy. We can't 
get these projects done to get people more clean energy even. Um, so the permitting issue hasn't gone away. It's a bipartisan issue. What what happened with the last deal that, um, that Joe Manchin tried to kind of push through Congress was that, you know, it included um, easing uh, the, the permitting process for some major fossil fuel projects. And I can't imagine uh, Republican Congress would um, – would not insist on that also, but it is it is sort of reaching a breaking point. You're seeing the, the wait times, the queues to get some of these renewable energy projects hooked up to the grid or the wait time to, to build some of these um, major projects, you know, to bring wind from uh, remote areas, um, you know, and, and convert it to energy and into cities. It, it, it requires a lot of transmission lines, and they're just not getting built because the permitting is such a headache. So. Yeah. Uh, that is an issue you may see some bipartisan movement on uh, in the next Congress. Yeah. Evan Helpers, the business reporter for The Washington Post, covering the energy transition. And, Evan, I want to have you back to continue this conversation because I think those tensions are so fascinating to look at and how we navigate all that. But I appreciate you joining us today. Great perspective. It was great to be here. Thank you. All right. Again, that's Evan Helper from The Washington Post. And uh, this is a conversation we're going to stay with because uh, it matters to all of us. And if we're going to get to more electric cars, we've got to have critical minerals to do that. That requires mining. That requires oil and gas. Uh, There's a way to get to all of this. But what we have to do is we have to go past the headlines when it comes to energy, to natural resources, to climate and the environment. And I continue to believe that there is a path to solve the problem, not just have the political battles. The question is not whether we can, it's whether we will, and do we have the political will to make it happen. That's worth thinking about. We'll be right back.